I'm Miguel Ibarra, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast, presented by Cub, your partner in making weeknight meals a breeze. I'm Steve McPherson, and I am joined, as ever, by Cal Williams. Cal, you were in Seattle, um, coincidentally enough, for MLS Cup Final. Mm. Um, I don't know what you were doing there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit about your trip. Now, the, the Cup Final, it's amazing how quickly, you know, it, my interest... I was very interested in the cup final. I got, I got to watch a bunch of it, but generally overall is I sort of feel like if your team doesn't win or lose in that moment, pretty quickly you move on. And I'm already like into the off season and thinking about it, but I wanted to take some time and talk about it because I know you, uh, we sort of talked casually and you had said, uh, you had good stories, some experiences from that, um, from that time spent in Seattle and, and what you were doing out there. So, so run it down for us. Yeah. Uh, plenty of stories to tell, um, an abundance that I probably can't tell as well. Sure. <laughs> Tantalize me. We'll yeah. talk about it later. Um, but just to go back to what you were saying there, Steve, about, you know, how the interest, if you're not a fan of either of the team, uh, tends to dwindle. This is a, a, a wider and bigger issue that we have to tackle in this mm-hmm. league because that wouldn't happen in most countries. Sure. If you're, um, viewing a, a cup final, for example, um, I'll use England. Um, if it's the FA Cup final or it's Champions League final or whatever, it's it's um, a day that people get together and you watch a game together, um, very much like the Super Bowl is here. Um, but this is a wider issue which neither you or I are going to tackle over the next 45 minutes. But sure. um, it, it's certainly something that I think if we are going to help this league continue on the trajectory that it's on, these are the things that we, we need to start seeing changing. We, we, we need... Um, Minnesota United fans watching Seattle, Toronto. We, we need, um, you know, LA Galaxy fans who have had their season finished early watching um, Seattle, Toronto, or, or just any game in general on a Sunday afternoon that's broadcast by mm-hmm. one of the networks. You know, this this has got to start changing. Um, and, and I would plead with, with, with you listening. Now, if you are just, uh, you know, a, a, an MLS fan or, or, you know, genuinely just a Minnesota United fan... If you want this league to grow, you have to start watching other games. You have to start um, helping this league um, grow organically um, because that's the only way it's going to continue to to grow. Um, You watch, the TV rating goes up. That means it's more attractive for um, broadcasters to have on their station. That means more money will be piled into the league, which means more money on players and facilities and various other different things and it goes for the same people that don't go to the games as well go and put your bum on a seat and watch because it looks good on tv so yeah um, i will say let me just interject cool i agree with you i think this is a necessary movement um i will say also though that i think a certain level of provincialism with regard to sort of knowing your team and not knowing other teams is a natural step in the evolution of 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 a league you know that like if you look back at you know, it's only re- relatively recently in the last, like, say, 10, t- 10 years, 20 years, maybe that the NBA has become this thing where people are just a fan of the NBA. They're not really a fan of their 
you know, markets team. They're sort of like, I just like the whole thing generally. I definitely got to that point, And there was sort of a discussion about that in the NBA where it was like, you know, you can just be a fan of a player. You don't have to say, you know, I, I'm throwing my lot in with this team. I'm buying all their merch or something like that. You can just be a fan of a player. And this leads to just being a fan of the league overall. Um, that's, that's good. And it's obviously best for the league. If, if, if fans are engaged all the time with different teams and, and different, uh, you know, in the playoffs or sticking with it to see it to the, to the end. Um, I also appreciate, I sort of appreciate that MLS is right now in a place where you're like, you pretty much ride for your team mm. and that's what you really know. Um, that's okay. I think it's okay right now. I think I, I agree that there needs to be a future step toward it, but I also just want to say, Hey, there's nothing wrong with just being, I like my team. No, <laughs> and that's wrong I, with it. That's no, what no. I pull for. So there's, just there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But, but I do think if we are going to continue to watch this league to grow, we've all got to play our part. Sure. And I think the, the easiest way for fans to do that is turn up on a match day for your team, but then away from your team, watch the league as well, because yeah. it's a really good league as well. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's start with, let's start with watching Minnesota United away games. Yes. That would help. Yeah, just yeah. you know to watch the to watch those games because I think that it's fun to see other teams come to to Allianz Field and obviously the experience in Allianz Field is tremendous. But um, it's great to watch the team play in other stadiums. It's disorienting because there's a whole bunch of people cheering for the other team. Mm. So when Minnesota United scores and there's no reaction, you're bound to feel a little like, well, come on, that was amazing. But um, but it is fun to watch them away. And you do a fantastic job. I don't get to listen to your dulcet tones when, you know, the team's playing at home. Um, so I, I like to get it on the road. Well, uh, one thing I will say as well is in terms of on the road, um, it is uh, great that we have um, – uh, a lot of fans that tend to travel as well, yes. which is great because uh, it, it's it's still obviously an issue for a lot of MLS teams, a lot of issues for a lot of sports in this country that, and it's never going to change unless we invent teleportation. It's a, big, it's a big country. <laughs> so um, well done to our fans this year for supporting on the road in, in their numbers. So uh, anyway, in terms of um, fans, Steve, yeah, I, I, I did have a lot of really intriguing experiences in Seattle for MLS yeah. Cup. So I was there working for, um, for a network and um, it was great to... Um, to put a lot of um, faces to names. Um, you know, we, we deal with a lot of people at the league. We deal with a lot of um, people around the world, really, who now follow this league. And, and it was great to to really talk to a lot of journalists, a lot of different people that you see pop up on social media or whatever. You know, it was great to actually meet people. Mm, um, yeah, it's always a nice experience. It is. When um, And so Jamie Watson was with me as well. He was doing a bit of work out there as well. And um, when... We both we got the same media bus in to the uh, to the stadium from the hotel. Um, I'm not going to lie, Steve. When we got to the point where we were driving downtown, so first of all, even before we got on the bus, if you didn't have Sounders gear on and you were downtown Seattle, you looked out of place. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was something I'd never seen before. Yeah, and I've seen some amazing moments in this league. Then, as I mentioned, we got the bus um, into uh, the area by the stadium. And just going through Seattle, you could just see the numbers of the crowds were getting larger and, and uh, larger and larger. It was a lot of people. It was. Um, 70,000? 70,000 people, or j- just under. But um, yeah. in terms of the sitting, I know the, uh, the sound has released a lot of standing room only at the last minute, so that I'm sure there was over 70,000 there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, the highest crowds, largest crowds, to ever... Um, ever uh, attend a, a sporting event at that stadium. Yep. Um, I think it was something like a U2 concert was the only other event that had yeah. ever had more people there, which sure. is hilarious. But um, 
I um, so anyway, as I said, we're on the bus and, and we were seeing all these people sort of on their way to the stadium, uh, hanging out in bars or whatever, you know. Um, and we get out and we start to walk towards the press entrance. Um, I'm not going to lie, Steve. I, I I had to stop for a second and I got a, a little bit emotional. I, I I had a little lump in the throat because. It, it reminded me, and by no means am I suggesting this should be the standard, but it did remind me of sort of like German Bundesliga. It reminded mm-hmm. me of European football. It reminded me of of what it's like in a lot of other countries and, and um, established footballing nations. And I did think to myself, like, it, this, this is something that I've never seen before because the march was insane heading to the stadium, that there were... Thousands of people yeah. are part of the march. Um, you you couldn't move outside the stadium, um, and there were people uh, up in the apartments with Sounders stuff on, with Sounders flags. There mm-hmm. were people um, who were just hanging out on, on like random staircases because you could see the array of people that were around the stadium. Mm-hmm. There were people inside the stadium already that were just hanging out where they could see the litany of people outside and. I think a lot of people were in the same boat there, but it was like, oh my god, like we, this is insane. Like we've never seen anything like this before, and it was shoulder to shoulder walking, walking to the stadium. Um, I've I've put some videos of this on my Twitter timeline for those who, who want to go and view it. By the way, um, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just as I said, I, I did at one stage get a little lump in my throat because I thought, ultimately, this is this is why we do this because we want this league to be amongst the best in the world. We want it to be considered um, alongside the rest of them. And, and, and things like this certainly help. I got a load of um, messages from from people overseas as well um, the, the day or, or two after the cup final um, because they had seen it in their country because the game was shown in over 140 countries, which is another tremendous step forward for the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they saw the crowd. They saw, I'm assuming, my um, uh, video of the stadium outside. Um, and I'm not going to say it was a watershed moment for the league because I, I don't. I'm not going to go that far and suggest that. But it, it certainly raised the eyebrows across world football because a lot of people, I think, for the first time, may very well have gone, "Wow, look at that!" You know, and look, it's a cup final, so it should be like this. Yeah. But for the first time in a long time, Steve, I think there was an element of normality um, with the, the suggestion that that Major League Soccer is alongside a lot of the other leagues in world football now. Um, because there's been times in this league in, in the past where you've got an MLS Cup and whilst there's been tremendous atmospheres and, and, and great uh, games and everything, that there's been, you know, um, uh, some empty seats in, in certain parts of, of stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, and also talk about that this was, this, these were two teams who upset higher seats to get yes. there, right? So, um, I mean, that was the thing that definitely kept me interested is that if I think if it had been LAFC and Atlanta United, I probably would have been even more checked out basically at that point. But like, again, I mean, obviously Seattle is a perennial power at this point in in MLS. Toronto has come from, you know, woeful beginnings to become, you know, they had a a tough year last year, but, um, you know, obviously pull it together this year. Um, you know, to sort of think that this is in some people's minds, the runners up in those conferences, right? Because they're not the top seeds in these conferences, um, to draw like that, um, for that moment is also a a huge testament, I think. Absolutely. And, and what I will say, I, I have managed to watch a little bit of the, the ABC broadcast back, um, last night and, um, uh, John and Taylor of ESPN, um, 
you know, we spent uh, a fair bit of time with them, really um, nice individuals. Um, and I agree with what they said on the broadcast that it, it was very much a reflection of modern day Major League Soccer. And that, that filled me with excitement because, yeah, it is. It's what MLS is now. And it's only going to get bigger and better, Steve. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the most exciting part of it is I think a lot of people knew that, that this sort of thing would happen and, and we would have um, the regularity of, of selling out NFL stadiums. We would have the um, array of, of stars that we have in the league. Um, we, all, we all sort of figured at some stage this is going to happen, but it was a matter of... Uh, and a, it was uh, always the, the thought of... When? When's this going to happen? Yeah. It's never been if, it's always been when. Um, and and I, I seriously think that, that Sunday was a, a, a major stepping stone for the league. I, I, I really, really do believe that. Um, the atmosphere was great throughout the, the course of the game. The game itself was good. I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, we've got to say thank you to the league as well because they looked after us tremendously. Um it, someone's, I, I overheard someone say it, it felt like a Super Bowl. Mm. Now, I've never been to a Super Bowl, so I don't know what the comparison would be like. Sure. But, but That's the, American football, right? I don't know. <laughs> but but the, the insinuation was that it, it's a big deal. It's a big-time game. Mm-hmm. I don't think MLS has ever had that, that description of, of a game like this before at this level. You know, we've had tremendous MLS Cups in the past, like in... I'll never forget 2013 in Kansas City. It was amazing. Mm, sure. Um, Atlanta last year, you know, wonderful. Um, huge stadium again, sold out, you know, and, and the, the suggestion was that, that, you know, last year was, was fabulous as well. But, but this year, because it was equipped with such drama and the playoffs were so fabulous mm-hmm. that there was more momentum behind this MLS Cup. Yeah. And because the playoffs were done quicker as yeah. well. So, yeah, we need to talk about that too. I don't want to get into it right now. Maybe we can save that for a little, a little, like a sort of look back at how that format worked out. I think absolutely, um, absolutely. We'll, we'll save that for another time because we got some some news to talk about and also the game itself to talk about. But yes, that is something I would like to look into is the how that works. Of course, but I guess just to to top this off, Steve is is that um, as I said, I've said several times now. Um, you have to think when when you're sort of whether you're a fan or whether you're working in this league, what, why are you here? What, what's your purpose? What, what are you doing? And I've always said, my purpose is I want to see this league grow. I want it to be as, as good as any other league um, that, that are considered top leagues in the world because I believe in the sport in this country, um, whether that is MLS or USL or, or what have you. Um, I believe in the sport in this country massively um, and I have a burning passion for it. Um, so to see... To see that and to see, you know, upwards of 70,000 people um, making their way into the stadium and the, the, the chants all in unison, um, it, it felt normal in terms of my experiences of European football. But there was all, also like a, a tremendous sense of, of pride because mm-hmm. I'd not seen that before yeah. in this country. As I said, I'd seen 
plenty of wonderful MLS Cup finals with great atmospheres and everything, but I'd just never seen it at that level before. Yeah. And it filled me with tremendous excitement because, the, look, as we've said already, this league is only going one way. Yeah. And, and, and that was an absolute pristine prime example of the way it's going. Yeah. So let's talk about the game itself a little bit. We'll get into that. Um, I had to watch... Uh, I had to go to take my kids to swimming lessons toward the end of it. So I, I saw Seattle go up on the own goal and then I had to leave shortly after that. So I missed sort of the last, you know, sort of three goals and everything like that. But, um, it's interesting. I've read some analysis. I, you know, I saw what I saw, which was, and I texted you somewhat. I think you were a little confused by my initial text, but, uh, oh, but I had a drink as well. The oh, there you saying. go. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying that it was, it, it could be a tough final to watch for MNUFC fans because you could look at that and say, you know, if Minnesota were there, they could have lost exactly the way that Toronto <laughs> lost, which was, um, you know, dominating possession, looking good defensively overall, not finding that final ball, and then conceding on an own goal and then having to sort of chase the game a little bit more and then not being able to get back into it, which there's certain Minnesota United games from the past season that definitely felt that way. It seemed like Toronto missed Josie, uh, that for, sort of final option who could just take care of that for, mm-hmm. for much of the game. He came in later, obviously, and, and ended up scoring in stoppage time. I yes, think, right? yes. So, um, but also, you know, I've read some analysis saying that, again, a lot of props for Schmetzer uh, as far as planning to sit deep and absorb that amount of attack and then, and then strike back off of that. So that Toronto dominating possession is not a flaw, but a feature of how Schmetzer sort of was looking at the game. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that, Steve. It's, um, it, it was, I thought the opening 45 was, was dominated by Toronto. And for yeah. me, after that, I thought there's only one winner here. If it carries on like this, I thought, um, Michael Bradley, uh, was, uh, a player, playing for a six and a half million dollar contract. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was absolutely wonderful um, in the first half. And, um, you know, he allowed the fullbacks to press. I think I might have even put this on Twitter. You know, I've watched a lot of Toronto this year. And it still baffles me how Justin Morrow ends up at centre forward at some stages because Vanny allows the the fullbacks to to press and then tuck in, yep. almost to add more bodies in in the the imminent press. And and it's it's amazing to me um, that yeah, at one stage Justin Morrow was legitimately playing at centre forward. It was crazy. Um, but they they Toronto in the end didn't really have a major outlet, and that was the biggest issue. I wonder how different it would have been had Josie have been fit. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, I'm a big fan of, of Alejandro Pozuelo. I think he's magnificent, but I, I I thought he didn't have his best game. I thought mm-hmm. he disappeared, particularly in the second half. Um, I thought um, I thought Omar Gonzalez showed why he started the cup final, and I like Lionel Simon. I think he's decent, mm-hmm. but, but Gonzalez for me showed that he's a level above for sure. Um, and the Sounders couldn't really get out of their blocks. Um, not. Once do I remember really thinking, oh, Jovan Jones has got the ball. Oh, Jordan Morris has got the ball. You know, the two of them were completely secluded. Yeah, yeah. Um, they really fell back a lot. They, they were did. not really getting into the attack. So. No, and, and Lodero didn't get on the ball as much as he would have wanted to as well. Um, but as soon as as soon as the Sounders scored, um, obviously Toronto then had to chase the game and it forced them to to press a little higher and, and, and force the issue. And that obviously meant there was a lot of gaps there to exploit. And the second goal is so well taken by Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and look at the build-up, the little pass inside from Ladero is absolutely exquisite. And, and Ladero, for me, actually, um, in the press box, we were given you know um, sheet of paper to uh, vote for the, the MVP. And, and I thought Ladero got my vote for the MVP. I, I thought he quietly went about his business mm-hmm. and, and did it very effectively. Um, 
So a lovely finish from Rodriguez, and then obviously the third goal from Rui Diaz. Uh, it, it sort of sums up the form he's been in during the postseason. Yeah, I think it's a moment Chris Mavinga may very want to push aside. Um, but uh, and then Josie obviously with a very good finish um, in the dying embers. Um, and that's why I sort of said earlier on, I wonder what it would have been if Josie would have played and Toronto actually had an outlet to aim for. So, yeah. um, but look, uh, Toronto have had a great season. I thought they were unfortunate on the day. Um, and the Sounders, um, you know, it just shows that when you hit form at the right time, you can go as far as you as you want in MLS Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we give, you know, we've occasionally given Adrian a little bit of stick for the goals change games thing. Um, and much, you know, he, he knows too. It's a cliche. He says it himself. <laughs> He's like, but it, it was one of those games where you really see that and the way that is functions in soccer because there's sort of like, so long as the game is nil-nil, you know, there's sort of a way that teams are playing, you know, and it's like you're trying to eke out that goal. You might be looking a little more defensive against an attacking team. The attacking team might start to press a little bit. They might leave themselves a little exposed. The other team gets a lucky break like that. Like, you know, and essentially an own goal, I guess it was credited to, um, was it Leardham? Yes, um, Leardham, yes. I yes. believe it was credited to him ultimately because of the confusion of it. You know, was it going on target? Because it deflected off Mavinga first. You know, there's sort of like m- multiple deflections going on there. No way it was on target. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I'm just telling what I, I'm just talking about what I saw. And at first people were like, it didn't hit Mavinga, but then you look back and you can obviously see it does. So um that I mean, when that happens, when one team goes up and the other team goes down suddenly it's like, well, everything that the way a team approaches changes, you know, this mm. team that was sort of hanging in there, the, the team that looked dominant, especially when it's against the sort of against the grain or against the run of play, you know, Toronto looking dominant. Suddenly you're like, I'm ch- they're chasing it. You know, the Sounders who looked like they couldn't figure out what they were doing. Suddenly it's like, Oh, well, you know, we can play with more confidence. Now it is really one of those things where the difference between a nil nil game and a one nil game is, is just huge in this sport. It is huge. And, and, yeah, goals change games. They, they <laughs> what really else do. can you say? They really, really do. He's um, right about that. <laughs> but I, as I said, I, overall, I thought the Sounders were were worthy winners. Yeah. I thought they were much better in the second half, as I said, particularly when they scored the opening goal. Sure. Um, but a great season for, for both uh, of the sides that, that made MLS Cup. And, yeah. Um, what, what, a, what a thrill of a day it was, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about some stuff that's happened recently. Mm. Um, we'll start with uh, Zlatan announcing that he is officially leaving MLS. Um, are, are you ready? So hot right now. <laughs> Good riddance. I don't care. Why? Get out of my league. Go on. Why? Um, Zlatan is a tremendously talented player. Mm-hmm. He can be. I mean, he scores some goals that are incredible. You know, the, the winning. The, I think he got the goal of the year last year for that for his 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 goal in the in El Trafico, right? Like, it, tremendously exciting player. Um, you know, if he had if he had sort of done his time here and been like, I'm moving on. Great. But you know, he sort of announced it with like a sort of, I have accomplished everything I set out to accomplish when you haven't accomplished anything. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, I sort of, <laughs> I, I tried to be a little bit restrained yesterday, but I sort of really wanted to go with a, you know, sort of a response of, you know, like, you know, MLS MVP, MLS champion, like golden boot winner, like just three of the awards that Vlatan did not win. <laughs> In MLS, like he's a great, he's a great player, like mm. obviously, but I don't think he, I mean, he, he got, he made the galaxy good in his way. They might be better next year without him. Yes. I agree um, with that completely. You know, like it was not fun to watch them play a lot of times when he was playing, um, not just when they were playing Minnesota United or whatever like that. I'm just saying that like, I didn't find the galaxy very compelling because he was just sort of standing there waiting for the ball most of the time. Um, it, it, you know, 
I get a little bit, I get a little bit touchy about it. Like, you know, when he says things about like MLS doesn't matter without me and things like that, you know, it's like you were here for two years, like sure. good job. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to remember your stint less than like Rooney's stint. You know, I, like I felt like Rooney brought more to his club um, in his short time than Zlatan did for the galaxy. Like he basically had a cup of coffee here. So, um, so that's my hot take on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Great, great player. Seems like I'm sure he does a lot of things in the community and all that stuff, but seems like a jerk. And people are like, isn't it great that he's a jerk? And I'm like, mm. I don't like jerks. Yeah. That's just yeah. my thing. And I understand that makes me weak. It's probably why I failed more than I've succeeded in my life, but I don't like jerks. Um, well, first of all, you've not failed at all. So relax. <laughs> Respond um. to that. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, you see, um, look, what I'll say about Zlatan is he gave Major League Soccer um, global relevance. Sure. No doubt. And and I'll be, I'm hard-pressed to think of another superstar that can come here um, right now and, and, and give the league the image that, that he did. Um, you know, unless you talk of someone like Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, and I don't suspect they'll be here for, for a while. Um Having said that, stranger things have happened. Um, the Galaxy needs somebody else now, so... Well, there's, <laughs> there's a little report going out that Edison Cavani is, is the uh, replacement. Okay. And, and I was um, under the impression that Miami were going to snatch him, but nevertheless... Um, Miami and, and Galaxy are going to be... That's going to be quite an arms race. It is. Right, it's going to so, be fabulous to watch. Uh, um, so, I look, I, I agree. Um, I'm sure the league were beyond thrilled when he came here because, as I mentioned, he did so much uh, for the growth of the league and, and, and getting eyeballs in the league. And that moment where he scored that goal with legitimately his first touch, um, that went around the world. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it put eyeballs on the league that, that wouldn't have been on the league. Um, he doesn't help himself in terms of the, the stuff that he says. I, I got a little bit... Irked, I must admit, when he said, "Now go back to watching baseball." Yeah, I kind of thought, "Ah, oh, you just, just stop, just let it, just, just let it go, stop." Yeah. Because what you would have said then, you know, you would have fed your ego and everything, no problem. You know, I, I he said I came and conquered and all this kind of stuff. Great, that's your ego, that's your personality, and and people will will praise or, or grumble at the fact that you you do that. Just leave it there. Why, why intentionally then? tell people to go and watch another sport, you're, you could very well legitimately hurt the, the growth of the league there yeah. by, by saying that. Now, also, maybe baseball's I'm, not even in the season. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> but maybe I'm looking too much into that, but I kind of thought to myself, oh, the league must be so furious right now that, that the, the main star that, that has been the main yeah. star um, for the last two years um, has, has just sort of had a little dig yeah. again at the league, you know? And, and, and look, but... <sighs> The, 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 there is that there is an insecurity within this league, no doubt, and the people yeah. need to get over the fact that Major League Soccer is a selling league. That's fine. Major League Soccer isn't the Premier League. That's fine. Um, but um, for for people to to sort of get really angry at Zlatan, I, I think um, I, I think it's it's a little bit too much. I. As I said, I got irked myself a little bit. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, Steve, when, when you think about what he's brought here, it, it was a success, his time over here. Now my question is, how did the league replicate what he bought? And, and it's not only him, by the way, as well, because we've lost Zlatan, we've lost Schweinsteiger, we've lost Rooney this year as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm intrigued to see the next trend of, of players that come over here. 
um, and, and, and again, put the eyeballs on the league. But um, yeah, look, ultimately for me, um, he doesn't help himself, Slatan, by some of the stuff he's, yeah. he's said. Major League Soccer was fine before you. Major League Soccer will be fine after you, Zlatan. Yeah. Um, no doubt you put uh, this league on a different pedestal, but there will be other stars, an array of stars who now want to come and play here um, that will, will do just as much as you have, um, if not more, um, should the likes of the players that I mentioned earlier on ever, ever come here, and, and I think they will. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I just think that it sort of feels like... It, he, the message is I elevated this league. And now that I left, it falls back to where it was. And I just don't think, I just don't think that's the case. I think no. if, if you pay attention, if you were brought to MLS to watch Zlatan, um, you might, you know, maybe you fall out of it a little bit now, but there's going to be who there's going to be people who saw soccer. They like, and they're going to keep watching it even without Zlatan. So it's raised the league up, I think. And I think it doesn't fall back to earth without him. I think it's, it continues on with its, with its growth curve. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm like, and, get into it anymore. Well, but like I said as well, that <laughs> people just have to get over the fact that, you know, I saw people were, were livid that he was leaving and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. it's okay. It's, it's a, it's a professional football league. Yeah. People come and go and it, it's okay. Like major league soccer is in a very, very good place right now. Yeah. And as I said, what will be, we, we were great with Zlatan. We'll be great without Zlatan. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another move. Uh, another Euro, Euro move. Thierry Henry coming in to coach Montreal impact. I love uh, was, this. was just announced, which uh tough look for my guy, Wilmer Cabrera. I mean, well, I, you, you and I had spoken about this previously and, um, I think it got confirmed that essentially he was only an interim yeah. manager and he was given a two-month contract or okay. whatever, and, and, so he, and that's yeah, fine. Okay. Um, I think Wilma Cabrera will, will get a job somewhere at yeah. some stage, but um, I love the fact that Thierry Henry is back in the league. Yeah. Um, he was such a joy to watch as a player. Um, it didn't quite work out for him in the managerial sense at, uh, at Monaco. Um, he was a very good watch. He signed a, a deal to be an analyst for Sky Sports in the UK, and he was tremendous value there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to having another character like that in the league. And, and look, this, this is what I'm saying. I, I know Henri's not on the field, but with Zlatan going, another character comes in. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be people that, that are coming here now because sure. this league is viewed in, in certain ways now. Um, yeah. There's always going to be people coming over here. And I love the fact that Henri is here. And, and let me tell you as well, Steve, he he will be able to attract some players mm-hmm. to this league. Um, I, I'm not going to go and just speculate and give out names, but you only got to think of the players that he played with over the course of his career. Yeah. He'll certainly have their ear as opposed to a lot of other managers for sure. Yeah. What do you think about his, um, his coaching chops? Like, what do you know of him in that, in that direction? Jury's out. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think, um, Obviously, it didn't go well at Monaco, for him, mm-hmm. which is a shame. But Monaco have been in disarray for a long time. I, I don't know anyone that could have gone in and, and, and hit the ground running straight away. So uh, Ligue 1 is, is a difficult league at times. So it's dominated by Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, it's, it's, it can be difficult to challenge. So um, obviously, he will, um, I'm assuming, anyway, will, will, will be given the tools to succeed. Um this is by far the largest name the Montreal Impact have had for a manager. Um, I thought Remy Gald was a good step in the right direction. Obviously, it didn't work out there uh, for him. But um, as I say, I think if he's given the freedom to go and do what he wants, I think this could be a very smart move by Montreal for sure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, it'll be fun. All right, let's move on to the big news. Minnesota United-wise, 
Minnesota United has tra- traded Darwin Quintero to the Houston Dynamo for uh, 600000 in associated Garber Bucks, uh, <laughs> Gam and Tam, uh, and Marlon Harrison, uh, who used to have really long dreads, and now he has short hair, is m- most of what I know about him, mm-hmm. um, has played well against Minnesota United. So <laughs> um, let's begin by talking a little bit about uh, Darwin, sort of a Darwin appreciation. Um, I mean, unmistakably, when he arrived, he changed the character of the team in a huge way. I mean, to, to be the first designated player um, and come in like he did and start on fire and just turn it up a notch in that, that July that year, which was just incredible. One of the best months that any players had in MLS um, when he was, when he was on his game, just definitely one of the most dynamic and exciting players in MLS. His hat trick against Toronto was absolutely stunning. I was jaws. I don't have multiple jaws. I have one jaw, jaw agape, <laughs> um, you know, Incredible. Uh, he absolutely took Real Salt like a part at Allianz Field this year, which was really fun to watch. Partly because he sort of got bodied by Onuaha like early on in the game, and I think he took that personally. Which is also kind of where you get into a little bit of the the knock, which is that when he was on his game, terrific, but he was not always on his game. But we'll move into that. Do you have any Darwin Darwin appreciation memories you want to share? Um, yeah, my first sort of real interaction with Darwin was when the team were hitting a bit of a slump in 2018 the locker room was low we needed a character we needed somebody who was full of confidence that had been in a different situation and scenario Mm -hmm. so we're in the airport in portland and um i was there yes you were there (laughs) yes and all of a sudden we just hear this music blasting and, and i sort of i think i might have been next to you and sort of looked up and yeah. assumed it was coming from the speaker. Why are they playing like, reggaeton this is in really the Portland airport? Yeah, yeah why, why is the music blasting all of a sudden? And all of a sudden we we look over to uh, a section of players and Darwin Quintero legitimately has like a boom box yeah. on his so shoulder, like Bluetooth dancing, thing, yeah. just, you know, <laughs> being so happy. And it, it genuinely gave the club a lift. It really, yeah. really did. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, he got a lot of attention. I mean, you talk about what Zlatan does for the league now, like internationally. I think that bringing Darwin to Minnesota United at a time when the team didn't really have characters like that brought national attention to Minnesota United, yes. sort of on that smaller scale. People talked about him. I mean, he was one of the most dangerous players in the league when he was on his game. Absolutely. And you mentioned it earlier on that the hat trick against Toronto on July 4th last year. Ludicrous. I, I don't think I've ever seen a hat trick live as 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 good as that, yeah. as well as that was taken. Um, the, the audacity to to chip a goalkeeper twice in, in one game is, is ridiculous. Poor and Clint Irwin. Poor Clint way. Irwin. And, and, and then nobody seems to talk about the first goal as well. The first goal is absolutely yep. outrageous when he hits it with the outside of his boots and it swerves back in and it legitimately nestles in the top corner. I mean, that's absolutely unbelievable, that is, the technique. And um, yeah, the, no doubt... Darwin Quintero will be remembered fondly in these parts, and and I'm absolutely. I'm uh, I'm sure the, the I'm interested actually to to hear a lot of other people's stories of of Darwin experiences and and what he did for for them in the stands. You know, I'm uh, I'm intrigued. But look, um, I think his signing ushered Minnesota United into a new era. I, I think Minnesota became the side then that 
but sure, they weren't afraid to spend the money when they found the right player. Yeah. And um, Darwin Quintero certainly at that moment was the right player for Minnesota. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a point to how different players are the right players at different times for yes. a franchise. And I think that, um, you know, I, I've tracked some of the reaction to it. And, you know, you get some people. I mean, first of all, I think some people don't understand how MLS works differently than other leagues you know people are like look at darwin and they look at marlon harrison and they're like you traded that guy for that guy it's like that's not really how this it's you know the, the the trading of tam and gam is a thing that doesn't happen in a lot of other leagues you know this idea of like sort of this pool of money that you use um but that's a good that's a good take that that amount of tam and gam over the next two years is big it opens up um you know 2.2 million dollars of room i believe is sort of was sort of his salary cap hold as they're looking at the option um it opens up a dp slot mm. um it, it it does a lot for the club and i think that you know people are like oh it's you know you're trading the best player i still i've said it before i think he's the he was the team's most talented player mm-hmm. i don't think he was the best player on the team last year if you look at the year as a whole i think the best players were ike Ozzy and Vito. Yep. And I don't think it's particularly close. Like, I think those are the guys who made the team what it was. Yes. Um, and that's, that's a testament to those guys. And those guys have been locked up. This is, this team is, or well, Vito has not been locked up yet. Sorry. Um, but you know, the defense has been established as, as solid. A lot of that defense is returning for sure. Next season. Um, this team is now a team that has uh, goals of being a perennial playoff team um, and having your, your highest paid player, your sort of, lead DP and attacker be as inconsistent as he was this past season. Just, it's just not enough. I think for the team, I think they have to be looking for things for players that are more consistent, simply put. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I know people are out and about in the world right now, scouting and looking for potential options and replacements. So it's, um, it, it, it was, uh, well, so just quickly see what was the actual Gam and Tam that was traded over just for those that are yes, unfamiliar. Uh, 150,000 Tam targeted allocation money, 150,000 general allocation money um, for next season. And then the same for the season after that. And there's all kinds of rules about this stuff that is I, some people understand, but I think it's only like, it's like the Coke formula. You can't let those people on the same plane at the same time. Um, you know, essentially Gam and, and Tam are used to buy down contracts of different players because of the way the salaries are structured. So, mm. and we, we talked about this before on the, on the show that, um, you know, for better or worse is the way the salaries are structured now, like Tam players can be as much of a different maker, a difference maker as DPs. Ultimately, um, you get those Tam players, right. That, that gives you depth. And it's one of the things that we've talked about also here before that the difference between, um, leagues like MLS and leagues like Liga MX are in depth in a lot of, in a lot of situations. So that kind of having that extra, those extra resources in those areas can help you a lot with bringing in, um, better players. I mean, it opens up a spot for another DP. It opens up for more better players farther down the roster. It does. And to my knowledge as well, you can actually shift the, um, the gam and Tam that is ready for, um, 2021. You can actually shift that to 2020 as well. So yeah, there are mechanisms. All, all that. Yeah. It, it's, legitimately confusing yeah. um but but there are uh, there are um situations where minnesota could very well use all of that money that's been um sent their way uh on a player uh, as well as the um you know the, the 2.2 million of, of darwin quintero salary as well so there's um ultimately here's my my take on darwin um this season um a motivated darwin quintero is absolutely ruthless in this league. Um, a Darwin Quintero who wasn't particularly interested, um, I think can, can cause you issues internally. So I don't know 
if if it's the case, I'm I'm not suggesting that Darwin was motivated throughout the entirety of his time in in 2019. But if that was the issue, um, I think it's down to the person. I think as, as a human being, you have to motivate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm intrigued to see how he does at Houston. Um, but ultimately, I think a lot of people saw last year. Um, he got frustrated, um, tried to do a little bit too much on the field as well. Uh, lost count the amount of times he gave the ball away um, in spots where Minnesota really didn't need to give the ball away and mm-hmm. then wouldn't track back as well, which is a, a real frustration for the coaching staff. Um, and um, I, I am interested to see what they do now with the money that they have available to them because um, it'll it'll take some player to replace Darwin Quintero. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when he, when he was on, tremendous. Um, incredibly fun to watch player. I mean, his celebrate his goal celebrations remain tremendous, which, you know, his, his son would tell him what he wanted to do. And, and that's great. You know, like devo- devoted to his family, um, you know, like the, a, a great guy, you know, a, a, as far as like his work for the club and, you know, doing appearances and things like that. Um, but I, you know, I think we, the, the sort of the knock on him coming into Minnesota United from club America was, yeah, he can become sort of aloof or disinterested. Or it doesn't sort of, it doesn't sort of come together for him. And that's what we sort of saw. So I won't be surprised, you know, if he, you know, playing for Houston, if he goes on a tear next, next season, but then sort of falls off or something like that, like maybe that's just who he is. And that, and again, that can be fine for a team. Houston's in a position now where it's certainly, you know, you hear every season, they're going to sell a lease. They're going to sell Minotas. They're, this is how this is going to go. Um, you know, they, they, fired Wilmer Cabrera, uh, you know, so that they had a, a, a poor season last season overall. They're in that mode where like, maybe they need a, maybe they could use a guy like Darwin just having one good year, you know, mm-hmm. to sort of like keep people interested keep people engaged as they work on the rebuild. You know, maybe it works out for them. Um, uh, we wish them all the best for sure. I was going to talk a little bit more about what could happen for the club right now, as far as what we're looking for, but I'm not going to, I'm going to save that for later. We're already at 40 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. and we can, we can use that next time to talk about, you know, who knows what will happen between now and the next recording. This is, it's always crazy. So, uh, give me a little bit of a breakdown. You said you had sort of kept your eye on some of the other trade, uh, the sort of this two day trade window, mm. uh, in, in MLS. What are some of the other things that, uh, that caught your eye, Cal? Yeah, well, obviously into Miami were busy. They brought in, um, Jay Chapman from Toronto FC. And then this morning it was announced that, Grant uh, Lillard from um, Chicago, a young player, uh, has gone their way as well. So that's, uh, you know, interesting to see into Miami's roster slowly building. Uh, Obviously, we have the expansion draft coming up in a couple of days as well, which will be intriguing. Um, Michael Panovich was fired by Chicago. Um, So again, that's a very, very attractive uh, proposition for for a big name. Um, Chicago seemed to be wanting to do things the right way. Attractive, Um, but fraught. I mean, to open, to be like, we're moving to Soldier Field. mm -hmm. You know, we've lost Bastian Schweinsteiger. Uh, What is the identity of the team? You know, you've lost your... So it's going to be for somebody to really jump in there and grab with both hands. I I think think it's a job for a big name. I'm intrigued to see what Chicago do. And and, and finally, the the biggest trade of the day for me was Darlington Nagbe uh, going over to Columbus Crew for over a million dollars in allocation, we're told. So... Mm -hmm. um, this nearly happened last year. This is obviously Caleb Porter's guy. He had him at Akron, had him at Portland's. Um, so I think um, this is a good move for Darlington Nagby. And, and I think uh, Columbus crew get infinitely better now that Nagby is a part of their roster. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. There's always, it, you know, knowing that there was this two-day window coming up. I was I was talking to my, my wife. Wait, I have... It's very moist. Oh, that's the other one. <laughs> there it is. There you go. <laughs> I was talking to my wife and um, I, I was saying, you know, like we've got this two-day trade window and I don't know what's happening. 
we could suddenly have to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, the, that window closes. You know, we have the, the expansion draft, other windows open. Uh, you know, I think for anybody who gets nerdy about this stuff, the off season is kind of the, in some ways a really fun part, if not the funnest part. Uh, because you just don't know. It's all potential. Like, who's going to coach here? What's this coach going to be like? What about this player? So, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll keep you guys up to date on on all the happenings like that. So. Silly season. Yeah. We've got plenty to talk about, for sure. That's what, that's what they call it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the 83rd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Cub, where the rotisserie chickens are always hot, fresh, and ready. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. And Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Ventress. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>